0: Welcome back to another episode of Tailgate Till May. I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, joined as always by my co-host, Brian Kaufman. We're back better than ever. Got some intro music, something you might hear at a tailgate, right, Brian?
1: That's right. Yeah. Pop punk throwback. I like it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're coming off a little little pop punk uh, night yourself last night, huh? Yeah,
1: that's right. Saw Taking Back Sunday in concert. uh, And so 18-year-old Brian was thrilled, third eye Blind. Weird combo, but a great concert, great show. Went with one of our buddies, and uh, yeah, I'm ready to rip.
0: There you go. I'm ready to rip, too, and we are going to throw it back. We are old enough to remember when our favorite team, Maryland, was a member of this conference, the ACC. So we're going to throw it back to the ACC today, do a little ACC preview, and man, I, I know we're going to get into this, but I my my head's spinning looking at this conference
1: Just absolutely so hard to get a beat on what's going to happen. I I talked myself into and out of uh, like half the teams in the conference preparing for this episode. I I had somebody that I liked the over and I switched it to the under. I had somebody I was buying. I switched it to selling. And honestly, it might be a game time decision on on what I let rep here on the show. But yeah, it is, um, man, you said it right. It's tough, tough to get a beat on this conference for sure.
0: Well, that's the fun of it, I guess. Well, let's get into our last time on the ACC. So we're going to do a little abbreviated version of it this week. Uh, Last week went a little long, so we're going to switch it up to three things you should know that happened last season in the ACC. Number one, the ACC had four of the top 11 offenses in the country, uh, according to SP Plus, including... Conference champion Pitt that finished number nine, and runner-up Wake Forest that finished number 10. This conference was an offensive juggernaut. Really, the ACC turned into the Big 12 last year, and it was a ton of fun. One team, however, that was not an offensive juggernaut was the team that has dominated this conference for years, the Clemson Tigers. Clemson struggled mightily on offense, and they lost three times last year which is something you cannot say happens to Clemson too often in the Dabo Swinney era and uh, really opened it up, made it a much more wide open conference. Uh, So it's interesting in a year. We talked Big 12 last week, you know, a lot of similarities between Oklahoma and Clemson, two teams that have just dominated each of their conferences for years, going to the college football playoff year after year and, and took a major step back this year. Difference for Clemson is, though, they have Dabo Swinney coming back they don't have a coaching change uh so we're gonna see if they can right the ship and then the third thing you need to know is there were a lot of coaching moves this offseason so Miami Manny Diaz out at Miami Mario Cristobal in uh you know the Miami guy returning home former Oregon head coach the two Virginia schools also made coaching changes Bronco Mendenhall um I guess I mean retired at at UVA and he had you know had a, had a decent successful run there uh but Tony Elliott Clemson offensive coordinator in at UVA so uh making the the in-conference switch at Virginia Tech Justin Fuente out after a really disappointing tenure there and Brent Pry. Penn State defensive coordinator in, and then finally, Dave Cutcliffe out at Duke, Mike Elko, Texas A&M defensive coordinator in. So that is a lot of coaching turnover, and it's all in the ACC Coastal Division. So four of the seven teams in the Coastal made uh, head coaching moves last year. So that is what you need to know about the 2021 ACC season that is last time on the AC last time on the ACC let's get into this season ahead and find out what our critical questions are with four downs Brian what questions are you asking
1: Uh, what I want to know for you you mentioned you mentioned coaching changes and Miami was one of them and and they've got some lofty expectations Mario Cristobal in there he's seems to be recruiting like a national championship contender early on, though what I want to talk about is this particular season. So my question to you, first down, what is a realistic expectation for Miami in year one? So I think the the trajectory is up. I think that's clear. I think Miami people are as excited as they've been in a long time. But I'm talking this season. What do you expect from Miami?
0: So I think it, it is very realistic for them to go out and win the Coastal Division. The division is—it's—I it, hesitate to say a mess because that—that makes it seem like it's bad, but it, it's open. It's—it's it's wide open. There's a lot. Everybody in that division has question marks, Miami included. But they are the—the the odds-on betting favorite to win the division. Uh, they're at that plus one hundred and fifty to win the division, plus six hundred to win the conference. And there's no reason that they can't go out and get the job done. They have Tyler Van Dyke at quarterback coming back, who is he was one of the most productive players, uh, most productive quarterbacks in the country to end the season last year. And that's not something anybody expected going into the season. When all the talk is about Derek King, he was one of the most exciting quarterbacks uh, heading into the year, but Tyler Van Dyke really stepped in showed out following his injury. So I think when you have a guy like Tyler Van Dyke there that gives you a, a great leg up. The thing that makes me, and they, and they have a good defense too. The thing that makes me a little bit hesitant though, about Miami is, I think it's a lot harder to go from good to great than it is from mediocre or bad to good. So case in point, like Mario Cristobal, when he was at Oregon, they went from seven and five to eight and four in his first year before then going on to win the league and go to the Rose Bowl the next year. Kirby Smart, when he took over UGA, they were nine and three. They actually dropped to seven and five. And then a year later, they went on to the national championship game where they had that heartbreaking loss to Alabama. My point being, it can take a little bit of time. However, I think this division is so open that they they have the opportunity to go and take it. You can make a case for, I think there's three teams you can make a case for in the division. I think it's Miami, Pitt, uh, North Carolina, and I that's think three. that's it. Yeah, that's yeah, three. Yeah. yeah. Those those three, because the the four other yeah, I, I think it's those three that you can make a case for. But I think Miami is the most balanced on both sides of the ball. And and that's why I I think it's very realistic for them to go to go win the division.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I actually I thought I was gonna go the opposite and and I looked that up to uh, Cristobal's first year at Oregon, and I was surprised to see eight and four I just didn't remember it that well I, I I thought it took him a year or two to like get it really rolling eight and four is a, a, a you know a, a really solid first year and so I I think you're right I, I'm with you on that you mentioned Tyler Van Dyke I mean he's one of those guys who like you said kind of came out of nowhere now people expect it from him and, and so it would be interesting to see kind of how that goes but yeah i I expect a a big opportunity for them to do it i think i'm with you on on the three teams too i think the other four have some work to do obviously three of those four making coaching changes like you said and and one of them that might uh pretty darn soon in georgia tech so yeah i'm with you i think it's it's there for the taking there's no reason and and i believe um it's the the regular season finale Miami and Pitt. And I think that'll be a, a, obviously one of the games of the year in the conference, uh, particularly if it plays out how we expect.
0: Do you think we're, do we neither of us included Virginia in a team that can win the Coastal. Should we be? I mean, they bring back Brendan Armstrong, who had an unbelievable year at quarterback last year. They had a super explosive offense and they're expected to have a really explosive offense again this year. I think SP Plus has them as the as the best offense in the ACC, number seven in the country. I mean, d- does that deserve some consideration?
1: I think anytime you have a guy like Brennan Armstrong, you, he's the kind of guy who could put a team on his back and win some games. I just think with Virginia specifically this year, okay, you have the new coach. I believe they only returned 10 starters. I just think it's more realistic that this is like a gain your footing year, um, for, for Tony Elliott. And, and listen, I think they could make some noise down the road. Maybe. Um, I don't, I don't think this year is that I think Miami and Pitt, uh, in my opinion are sort of the, the upper echelon of that division this year. And, and, you know, I, you mentioned it off the top. I think this has our, our highest chance of any of our previews of us looking really foolish when we listen back to it later. So when Virginia comes out firing, scoring 40 a game, uh, you'll have to play this back for me. But I, I don't think this is a year that they're going to be competitive in the division.
0: So if we both think Miami has a good chance to win the division, and that's a realistic realistic expectation, do you think it's more like a the winner of this division is... Five and three, or six and two in conference, or like an eight and zero, seven and one in conference.
1: I, I just, I think it's more likely the the former. I don't see like a dominant coastal division winner. I, I think none. Like, yes, I think Miami and Pitt are sort of a, a bit above, but I don't think they're untouchable. I think they're gettable, and I think you know, particularly with Miami getting used to the, the, the new coach and everything like that, like I wouldn't be surprised if they drop one or two in, in the early going of conference play. Um, so I I would say the former on that
0: one. Yeah, I'm with you. I I just see this, this is a this is the last year of the coastal division. And this is a classic coastal division setup where I I mean, I think I could easily see it coming down to that, that Thanksgiving weekend game between Miami and Pitt, where, you know, one team wins and they're both tied at five and three in conference and the, you know, the tiebreakers who wins that game, or even you have a a three-way tie at four and four or something like that. It just, it seems like there's so many teams that do things well, particularly offensively, but then so many teams that also have question marks. I mean, like with Pitt, they had that unbelievable offense last year and then they lose Kenny Pickett and they lose Jordan Addison. But, they do have uh they do have Keaton Slovis come in right and everybody's gonna speak everybody uh, speaks highly of him and he had some good moments at USC and that's not a bad guy to replace Kenny Pickett with and you know they also bring back a ton of talent on defense and Pat Narduzzi is a defensive guy so I think it's realistic to think that that defense can be good and maybe better than it was last year so compensate a bit for um what you're losing on offense with a little bit more productive defense but you know, that's, that's a lot to lose. Like, yeah, they're going to go back out and win the conference again. They're going to win the division again. I mean, Kenny Pickett and Jordan essence and the offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple, who apparently Narnuzi wasn't so fond of, despite winning a conference with last year. I don't, it's a little weird, Yeah. but they, well, they lose but... a lot. My point being, they, they lose a lot. Everybody in this division has question marks. So it's, I think it's who can minimize their question marks the most. Um, I would not be surprised at all if Miami wins the division. I would not be surprised at all if we're sitting here uh, later in the season and we're like, yeah, they were a year away and we should have seen that coming. So I, I don't know, man. I think that's going to be a lot of this episode. Is <laughs> yeah, like, right. yeah,
1: You know, I could really see it going tell. either way. <laughs> yeah. It's just on repeat, but it's fair. All
0: right, well, let's switch over to the other side of the division for a question, and let's talk about Clemson. So talked about clemson's down year and there's been a lot of talk this offseason like is this a trend is clemson down for good they lost you know both their offensive and defensive coordinator we talked about uh brent venables going to become oklahoma's head coach last week tony Elliott on the offensive side of the ball now virginia's head coach they boot they lose both coordinators That that is a big loss for them um but they come back this year and uh, they are projected, their offense is projected to go from number 71, where it finished last year, to number 39. If they can make that jump back into a top 40 offense, will it be enough for them to be a playoff contender again? I
1: think so. I, I do. I, I think to to kind of take it a more macro level, like you were saying some of those things, I, I think long term, we're going to look at last year as a blip on the radar. I think that... I expect sort of a return to normalcy for Clemson this year. Um, And and I do think that would make a difference. Now, I think, like, yeah, become a top 40 offense. That's all you need because I really think this defense is going to be very, 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 very strong. Once again, uh, Xavier Thomas, Brian Brzee, Miles Murphy, best defensive line in the country, bar none. I I think it's fair to say. Um, And so uh, that's the thing. Like, I, I think Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, like, masked some things and i think that's clear and when i was like researching for the show i read an i read a quote from an uh unnamed opposing coach that was like this has always sort of been there like how many times on third and 20 did they check down to etn and he made five guys miss and picked it up right and and i think that's a fair point um but you don't necessarily in my opinion dju doesn't have to be trevor lawrence for this team to be a playoff contender he just can't make stupid mistakes at bad times i think their defense can and will carry them i do i don't want to spoil uh one of the things i was going to mention later but i like some of their skill position player guys and and some guys who are gonna be a little bit more experienced this year than they were last year i think um they got some snaps under their belt that'll be valuable this time around so i think that I think it would be enough. I'd be interested to hear from you too. Um A, your thoughts on that, and B not to steal your second part of your question, but I think it's a good one, which is why did they struggle? Because I think that's important to be able to identify if you are going to be able to flip it around.
0: Yeah. Um so I, I'm with you. I I don't think any coach is more impressive in the country than Dabo Sweeney and what he did to build Clemson. Because again, you and I remember a time very clearly where, like, Maryland and Clemson were damn near equals. I right. think Maryland went two and ten one year, and the only ACC win they had was against Clemson. Like, Maryland could beat Clemson on any given year, and Clemson was kind of what NC State is right now—like an eight and four, nine and three program that that need, that is trying to get over the hump. So, I don't think that. I trust Dabo Sweeney more than any any coach in the country and what he's built. And the fact that he's promoted within uh for those coordinator spots is not surprising. And I tend to actually think it's a good thing. I think you need some change at, at times and you need fresh voices, but I gotta give him the benefit of the doubt. From a, anything he does from a football perspective tends to work. So I am not gonna go and, and doubt Dabo Sweeney on this. I do think, however, if you think back a couple years, there was a time when Trevor Lawrence came in and he was not the starting quarterback at the beginning of his freshman season. And uh, who was it, Kelly Bryant?
1: Kelly Bryant. It was Kelly
0: Bryant. And they made the switch, Debo made the switch, and it took them to a new height. Now, I don't know, with with DJ like I can't get that Notre Dame game that he filled in for Trevor Lawrence out of my head when I think about him. And I'm like, he has all the tools he he's shown it on the biggest stage, but last year was not good. It was not good at all, and I do think it was mostly on him. I mean, I know he didn't have a, a tra- uh, an Etienne around him, and they are missing some other you know kind of world class skill position pieces, but it seemed like it was mostly on him. So. I also have faith that if this year it comes down to it, and they, they they have a soft schedule early. They have a really soft schedule. So they have Georgia Tech um, in the Mercedes-Benz Dome to open the season, and they always smash Georgia Tech. And then they have Furman, and they have Louisiana Tech before traveling to Wake Forest. I truly believe if they get off to a rough start offensively and it looks like DJU just can't handle it, Dabo's not going to hesitate to make the, make the switch to Cade Klubnik, who was the top rated quarterback in the class of 2022. You know, he could be that next Trevor Lawrence for them. And like you already mentioned, I just think their defense is so good. Like their defense, uh, it, Phil Steele has every one of their defensive linemen in the first through third team, all ACC uh, <laughs> Bressy and Murphy. They're going to be first round picks. Oh yeah. I mean, Bressie was 13 all ACC last year and he missed like a ton of games. He had a season ending injury and he was still 13 all ACC. Those guys were super highly recruited coming in. They've done nothing but, you know, produce on the defensive line and they're going to be first round draft picks. So I think that unit is so far better than anything else the ACC has to offer that they can get it done if they they just step it up to a top 40 offense. Now, I don't think they're a national championship contender. I think they can make the playoff. I think there'll be kind of the inverse of what Oklahoma has been for years.
1: That's interesting. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I think you're right that, that it was on DJ. I, I it was, you know, it, he can be annoying at times, but it was good to hear that the, the Daboism is back. It makes it feel like uh college football is close, but he said, uh, well, what did he say? People are acting like DJ's some slapdick from a community college <laughs> or something like that. Um, and I think that's fair. Like you're, you're right. Like we, we saw him consistently struggle all year, but like he's still a dude. And you're right. Like that's that's why you do recruit the way these mega programs recruit, is that maybe you do need to make a change to Cade Klubnik. And I watched Cade Klubnik out duel Quinn Ewers in a Texas state championship game. I, I this, the guy is a stud. Um, so it, it's a, it's, I guess I would call it a good problem to have. Um, but, but you're right. I I do expect them to, to be there, be in playoff contention. Um, because you're you're right. Like they, they hadn't lost when he made the change to Kelly Bryant. They, they, he just, this guy's better. I got to make the move. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, but you're right. He's earned the benefit of the doubt and kind of our trust. Um, for third down, I, I want to go, you know, we're talking about maybe we do, maybe we don't, uh, trust DJU. Um, I'm curious, what quarterback in the conference you're most confident in performing at a high level? Because you mentioned there's quite a few of them—some um, on contending teams, some on not. A lot of exciting quarterbacks in the conference. Who who do you kind of believe? Okay, I just trust this guy's going to perform at a high level all year.
0: So I think this, quarter, this conference is the best quarterback conference that we have in the country right now. Pro Football Focus put out their top quarterback list, and, and to be clear, this is their top college quarterback list. This doesn't have anything to do with pro potential. And five or six, rather, of the top 15 players are ACC quarterbacks. So at number five, Sam Hartman, seven, Brendan Armstrong, nine, Keaton Slovis, 10, Tyler Van Dyke, 12, Devin Leary, 14, Malik Cunningham that is an unbelievable collection of quarterbacks right there. So I think there's a lot to choose from, but if I had to choose one, I'm going to go Sam Hartman from Wake Forest. So Hartman and Armstrong were really comparable last year, both and coming into this year, they're both fifth year guys. They've improved a lot. Uh, Weirdly enough, Hartman I think is still considered a red shirt junior. So he could come back for even one more year if he, if he wanted to. Uh, But I think the difference and why I'm choosing Hartman over Armstrong going in this year is because of the consistency around him at Wake Forest. So at UVA, you know, they had the coaching change going from Mendenhall to Elliott. They lose all five of their starters on the offensive line. And meanwhile at Wake, uh, Wake returns A.T. Perry at wide receiver, who's an absolute stud, had over 18 yards per catch last year. And they also returned four offensive line starters. So they have so much coming back. Um, and of course, Dave Clawson, he has that unique offense, which is part of what made Hartman so successful. So I just like... The continuity and consistency surrounding Hartman, in addition to what he's already proven on the field that he can do. So for my money, give me Sam Hartman over anybody else as the quarterback I trust. I do want to mention, I don't trust him the most, but the quarterback I'm most excited about is Malik uh, Malik Cunningham, because... There is no there's nothing more fun to me than a quarterback on kind of an undermatched team who can do it with his legs, create something out of nothing and, and take a team a little further than they really should. So last year he was number seven in ESPN's QBR metric and he was number two as a running quarterback behind uh, only Malik Willis, who, of course, was a was a first round pick last year.
1: It's a great answer. Yeah, I mean, you took all the words out of my mouth. I'm with you on Sam Hartman. He's he's very impressive. He's gotten better, kind of year in year out, and and I don't expect that to change going into um, what probably will be his last season. I I do like Malik Cunningham too, and and I think honorable mention um, Tyler Van Dyke. We talked about him a bit, but he really really was efficient and and very successful once he went in. Uh, And I know you're going to talk about this a little bit later on, but I, you know, for our NC State listeners out there, they're going to say, you have not said Devin Leary yet. Uh, And so uh, we can save it. um, But I think, you know, on a on a different show on a lesser show, you probably hear uh, some Devin Leary shout outs at this point. But yeah, I, I don't. Trust him. I, I would put him towards the bottom of it. Well,
0: let's let's just do it now. Let's just let's just do Devin Leary now. And before we get there, let me correct that. I know Malik Willis not a first round draft pick, third round draft pick. Uh, right. But he was talked about as a first round draft pick. It seemed like the entire year year long. Yeah. So my mistake. Gotta gonna correct that before I get. Blasted. Uh <laughs> but let's get into Devin Leary because I know we'll jump ahead a bit, but the the team, this the team that I'm selling and the unit that I'm selling, I'm selling the NC State offense, uh, Devin Leary and NC State as a contender because of that. So I think Devin Leary is a really good but not great quarterback. QBR is not a perfect stat, but he was 30th in QBR, and that puts him just ahead of Bo Nix and just behind Adrian Martinez and Jack Cohn. And those are three pretty maligned quarterbacks, uh, you know, nationally. So, like, it's just there's a little bit of cognitive dissonance there for me where it's like, okay, is he just a guy who was pretty good and is coming back? So, we're going to say he's like, great now because we're not saying that about Bo Nix we're not saying that about about uh Adrian Martinez like you, I mean you had a lot of questions about Adrian Martinez last week when when I said I liked him going to Kansas State because he brings something unique to the running game so I just don't know like I don't entirely trust him he's he doesn't turn the ball over which is great um no, I think he's he's pretty accurate, but I don't think he's a great game changing quarterback, especially compared to the other guys. And then their offensive as a whole is just it, it's a it's a middle of the road offense. I mean, they really struggled to run the ball last year and they had a top 10 left tackle on the team. They were, you know, really, again, middle of the road, 66 in a lot, average line yard, 62nd in stuff rate, 90th in yards per carry. So, you know, they, they struggle to run the ball. I just don't think that offense is that good. But, I mean, where where do you see him, Brian? Where do you see Leary?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. It it feels like with him and with the team, they've just, like, they've been on the precipice of, of contender status. They're, like, generally a, a top 25 team at some point throughout the season. They, they win a lot of games that they're supposed to. And so I do, I think you're onto something with, it's just like, it's kind of trendy. Like there's some leading indicators that you'd say, okay, yeah, he's back and he was pretty good. And I think uh, that likely means NC state's going to take the next step, but I loved your stat there. I mean, I, yeah, I, I shared my thoughts on Adrian Martinez on on the show last week. And if that's who you're at with a relatively accurate metric from a quarterback perspective, um, that's not great. And I think, them taking this next step to contender status that everybody thinks and wants them to is dependent on him taking that next step. And so if we're sitting here, like, I don't think I, I, I don't see it, then they go hand in hand for me. And so I am with you for sure on that. I I'm not, I'm not buying it. And it, and it, it's a little bit easier for me to say just because I do really anticipate Clemson returning to form and, and they're not being a, a, ton of drama in the Atlantic race. Um, but yeah, 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 for me, I, I don't look at NC state like they're like, this is a breakthrough opportunity and I don't expect it.
0: I think Vegas has it exactly right. Eight and a half wins. Eight and that a half wins right. is the perfect yeah, over. Solid. And they're an eight, eight, nine win team, and I think you're setting yourself up for failure with everybody beating the drum of this is the year they should win the division, they should win the ACC, they should win ten games. They might be able to. It's not a guarantee. They, their offense is not good enough they are sorry their defense is not good enough to make up for their offense they have a very good defense but it's a top 15 top 20 defense not like clemson the maybe either the best or the second best defense in the country so that that's where i see nc state and i know it's not going to make nc state fans happy but that's just i mean i he let's see out of the the quarterbacks that we talked about i would take hartman armstrong van dyke for sure And then I think it's pretty close with Slovis and Malik Cunningham. I don't. The thing about Leary, we didn't talk about. He's not as good as with his legs as as a lot of those guys. And I think that's so important in modern day college football. Like you gotta be able to make some things happen with your legs. And he's a he's negative in QBR uh, breaks out running and passing. And when it comes to running, he's he's a negative when when it comes to his running rating. And I think in modern day college football, you can't have that.
1: I think that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you on, on the guys I would take um, over him. I, I've got one more when we move on to our buying and selling segment that I I, I do want to get a little bit deeper into. But, um, yeah, I think we have one more down left. Is that right?
0: Yeah, fourth down. So uh, we've talked about some contenders. Let's get to some schools that are, that are not quite there. Brian, there's a few schools uh, in the ACC right now where coaches are on the hot seat or need to have a good year to avoid the hot seat. Which school should think about a midseason firing with a slow start?
1: So, for me, um, the answer is Syracuse. And so, I was looking into this question. And to be honest with you, like I know Dino Babers has been there for a minute, but I just sort of assumed they had made a change. I was like, who's Syracuse's coach? Yeah, it's still Dino Babers. Six seasons five losing records, 29 and 43 overall. And like I said, I was just, I was a little bit surprised that he's still the coach there. So, um, that's it to me. Right. I I think like, okay, he got this opportunity. He got six years. Nobody gets six years when you have five losing seasons to me, that's the, the sort of a leading indicator that frustration could boil over with a slow start. They also not for nothing. Um, have UConn in week two. (laughs) Like I expect them to win, but if you're talking about time to make a move, you can't start any slower than an L to UConn. And so like, if that were to happen, I could see them making a move. I I think there's, there's a few, um, right? Like in theory, three or four could all fire their coaches after a slow start, but I'm going to go with Syracuse just because I think he's sort of overstayed his welcome a bit. And if you don't show signs of, improvement in year seven, which I don't expect to see a ton of, Uh, at what point do you just call it?
0: Yeah, I think the for me, I think Louisville is the school that could potentially make the move because they 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 do have some expectations now with Cunningham. They've been recruiting pretty well the last couple months. They've been on like just an absolute hot streak with recruiting, but there's been some weird things with Scott Satterfield. Like he's given the indication that he's wanted to go. I think it was was he interested in the South Carolina job? I can't remember. His name has come up for some jobs.
1: Yeah, yeah, he was interviewing. It was he. It was like a, yeah. He, he really butchered that process. I think it might have been South Carolina where he's he's shown that um, he wouldn't be that upset if he got a new opportunity.
0: So I think there's enough there, and they open they they open with two on the road at Syracuse and at UCF. So that's going to be a tense week one, I think, for both of those two programs because they they both need a win. They, they they really do. And then going on the route road to UCF in week two is no cakewalk either. Um, so, you know, they, they have a tough schedule to start off. And I think there's enough expectations there with that program where if things come go off the rails a little bit, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to necessarily see them make a move midseason.
1: I dig it. I dig it. All right, let's go to buying and selling. Uh, you nailed your selling. NC State, Devin Leary contender status. Uh, I'll go with my selling. We'll we'll start off as negative. Nancy's right. Good uh, bad news, then good news. Um, so and and this is going to be a theme the rest of the episode because it's in my bet section too. But I'm selling Virginia Tech, um, and I'm sort of selling them both this year and generally. I, the like Brent Pry feels like kind of a weird fit and man uh, to me, but this year in particular. Virginia Tech just four starters back on offense, eleven starters overall. I, I just don't, I don't think they're going to score. I think they're really, really, really going to struggle on the offensive end. Um, they do have Dax Hollyfield back on defense for what feels like his twelfth college football season, um, but I, I don't see where they're going to get points to get it done. So I think this year they'll struggle, and I think, I think some of the shine has dulled a bit. Like I, I don't know. It just feels like like a weird fit he's he was doing some things at media day that that I, I don't know his jacket and his uh, attitude and uh, we just got better talking about the recruits that were committing while he's up on stage i i, I just I, I don't know i don't see it i i don't see that this was a hire that's going to lead them back to perennial acc contendership which is what i think that obviously they were hoping for
0: that whole thing was a very weird flex by him
1: it was so like- weird. He, like, I, I think, like, I get what he was going for. The execution was incredibly poor, in my opinion.
0: Let, let, do you think there's any? I, this is pure speculation, but do you think that was just staged? Maybe could have been. Like he Could've was just planning planning to do that
1: yeah well because he was like thanks for the thumbs up in the back like like somebody gave you a thumbs up and you knew that that meant that you uh, it it all felt a little bit weird he like he pulled his phone out and it just so happened to like be there waiting for him okay yeah we did it okay um yeah it was weird
0: yeah, I, so I'm pretty big on Virginia Tech as a place that you should be able to win. And I know the job's gotten harder because there's just a lot more competition for talent in the state um, and in the area where they've really thrived, which is, um, you know, the Norfolk Tidewater area, Virginia Beach. I mean, they were always like it was a thing forever that you would always see guys with seven, five, seven um. The seven five seven I black, and that's the that's the area code in Virginia Beach, and that's where they got all of their talent from, and it's not particularly close, Virginia Beach. Norfolk Tidewater is the way Eastern part of the state And Virginia Tech uh, Blacksburg is in the way Western part of the state But I think with Mac, Mac Brown's done a great job Of getting town out of there uh, There's more programs Even that have popped up Like Coastal Carolina Is a legit Now a legit program That's a lot closer Than Virginia Tech is ODU has a program now uh, Charlotte has a program now Virginia has gotten better And more competitive Than they were There's just a lot more There's a lot more Miles um, the feed in that region. I still think it's a really good place to to be a coach and, and you can win there because there is such tradition and dedication to the program there. And I think, you know, the, the, to me, like people often wonder, like how can these schools that are far from talent win? And what I think I've seen in the history of college football is if you are dedicated to investing in your program and winning, you're going to win. That's how Oklahoma has been good for the better part of 70 years because they want to be good and they've invested the resources and money to be good. I say all that to say, right now, they have 17 recruits committed in the class of 2023, and each and every one of them is a three-star recruit. Compare that to North Carolina, who has 15 commits, six four-stars, three nine-stars, and Clemson, two five-stars, 14 four-stars, and a one-star. That's not going to get the job done. In aggregate, recruiting cr- rankings are correct. They are, in aggregate. They're not going to hit on every single guy, but you can't build a roster with just 70, with all three-star guys. They have to recruit better. That's part of what sunk Fuentes, uh, Fuente there, and they, they just got to recruit better. So I'm, I'm with you. I agree.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I think he deserves time, but it... it- oftentimes I feel like with, with new coaches, you'll at least make a splash or two on the recruiting trail pretty early on. You, you get somebody to buy in and, and he hasn't, he really hasn't. And so,
0: yeah, I think that's, that's um, Mario Cristobal, seven, four stars committed one, five star.
1: I mean, he's rolling, rolling. You can't right. They're not, it's not in the same conversation.
0: I mean, even North, like I said, I already mentioned North Carolina. North Carolina is beating them. That is the to me the biggest indicator. They have to beat North Carolina in recruiting. They have to, and they're not doing it right now. And I agree. You need to actually play a game before you say this guy's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I'm, I'm with you. Like it's not. I don't think this is an automatic win for them.
1: Yeah. All right. What are you buying?
0: All right. I am buying the Week 1 ACC schedule, and all things ACC schedule-related as well. So first and foremost, the backyard brawl is back. Pitt and West Virginia are back. And I'm so excited about this because we've just gone through all these off-seasons where it's like, lose another rivalry, lose another rivalry, lose another rivalry, right? That's all we talk about in college football now is how many rivalries we are losing. But Pitt and West Virginia actually decided to schedule each other in Week 1, and I'm super pumped about it, and I'm so sick of this like you know the thing on the internet where you kind of act like you're above it all and you just want like people all the time on the internet will be like my favorite college football team should only schedule three g5 non-conference opponents and one fcs team so we can be 4-0 in the non-con right like shut up just <laughs> shut up like you're a fan we, we watch college football to have fun and you know what's fun playing a rival would you rather play a rival win or lose than play um ohio and get a win i would you are not the ad of your favorite team's athletic department you are not getting a bonus if they go four and oh in non-con like it is fun to play these games i don't understand i because we go through this all the time with maryland right And people are like, there's no point of playing West Virginia. It doesn't help you in recruiting at all. It doesn't get you anything in recruiting. It's a potential loss. Well, it was really fun when we opened with them last year. So I'm really happy Pitt and West Virginia are going to play. And then you know what else I love week one? The two flagship state universities in the state, UNC and NC State going on the road. UNC is going to Boone, North Carolina to play App State and NC State is going to Greenville to play ECU. And those are two places that are not easy to win. So I love them going on the road, playing an in-state rival, and uh, it's, look, it's fun. Don't shy away from competition. All of this is fun. Those are going to be incredible atmospheres. So I... Love what's happening week one. And furthermore, I love the ACC getting rid of divisions, going into this 3 5 scheduling format where you have the the three permanent rivals and then an alternating uh, group of five where you play the remaining 10 schools two times in a four-year period. I think it's great. Everybody knows the famous the famous story of Wake and, and North Carolina actually scheduling a non-conference game against each other. So they played as non-conference opponents last year because they didn't get to play enough. So I, I love this. I love what they're doing. Big thumbs up for for the ACC.
1: Yeah, I love the I love the big schools going on the road to the smaller in-state schools. That that's awesome. When I was covering college football in Michigan, that was something. Um, and he he did a lot of not great stuff with the program, but Mark Dantonio was big on that for Michigan State. They would go. They would alternate going to Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan, and Central Michigan, and it was sort of like you just rotate, and then they come to you and. It, it's fun. It's fun. And in places like that where and I, I don't know if this is a good thing or not, but like there might be some Western Michigan students who are Michigan State fans or or like and, and you it's sort of acceptable to, to care about both in for some folks up there. Right. Like, yeah, like Western, but like they're not. They're not like a national brand, right? So like I, I feel like I'm, that's a
0: super common Mac thing. I feel like everybody yeah. at a Mac school is like an Ohio State fan or a Michigan right. fan, a Michigan State fan or whatever. Also,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly right. But um, Brian, let
0: me let me ask you though, like real quick, would you rather Maryland on a yearly basis? Would you rather them do some rotation of like West Virginia, Virginia, maybe like Virginia Tech, or would you rather them just get a get a guaranteed win?
1: The, the former, for sure. It's way, it's way more fun. I'm totally with you on that. And the nice thing is, when there wins, it makes it that much sweeter. And so I'll take that 10 times out of 10. Uh, you said it. Opening with West Virginia last year was a, a blast, and it made it feel like it it mattered a bit more. So yeah, I, I think there is something to trouncing a, a smaller opponent and and putting your stats up. But as a fan, uh, 10 times out of 10, I, I'm with you. that I want to see those those rivalry games. Um. All right. Uh, tight-ish on time, so I'm gonna keep it tight on on my buying. Um, I I hinted at this a bit earlier, but I'm buying Keaton Slovis, and so I think he's a guy who obviously showed flashes when he was able to see the field at USC. Um. I think he's just going to be set up for success. Pitt has all five offensive linemen back. He's going to have time. Obviously, Jordan Addison leaving hurts. Um, but I do still think they have a, a relatively solid wide receiver core, from what I can tell. Um, I think, weirdly enough, I think they'll be more balanced on offense this year. Uh, rely less on on... Kind of how Kenny Pickett was chucking it all over the yard, and I think that can help you kind of be more effective when you do throw. So I think I think he's set up for success, and 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 I think that we've talked about it early on in the show, but they're going to be right there in the coastal race, um, and so I, I'm buying Keaton Slovis. I, I think he's going to make an immediate impact. I think it's it's a, a great job by Pitt filling in after a first rounder leaves, um, and so I would put him above Devin Leary. Going back to the conversation earlier of like guys that I would I would. Trust uh, more than him. Um, so yeah, I, I'm buying Keen Slovis. I think I'm I'm sort of buying when you know he's he's sure he's being talked about, but he's being talked about in this group of really good ACC quarterbacks, and I think he'll be at or near the top um, by the time the season's done.
0: Have you ever looked at Frank Signetti's junior's uh, resume? Their new I offensive have not. coordinator. Dude, no, this man. This will be his third stint at Pitt. He was a grad assistant in 1989. He was the OC and quarterback coach in two thousand nine, two thousand ten, and now he's coming back as the OC and quarterback coach. But this man has coached about just about everywhere you can coach, from the Kansas City Chiefs to Fresno State. It's quite a resume.
1: Wow! All right, there you go. So I think we'll have him ready to go, and I I, I like uh, I like Slovis this year.
0: All right, so you like Slovis, but are you betting on Slovis and Pitt at all? <sighs>
1: It's scary. I I feel like I'm not I'm not touching the coastal with these these win totals except for not not at the top not teams that I expect to win the division because it's like we talked about like uh, I don't know the number of wins that gets it done but it's not you know it's not eight and zero um, so no I'm not betting them the, but the one bet I well I've got two I talked about it a bit it's not great odds but I just feel so strongly it's going to happen that Virginia Tech's under six and a half win total I I just I don't. I don't see seven wins from this team. I talked about it earlier. I just don't think they're going to score enough points. I know Grant Wells transfers in from Marshall and and is going to be a first year starting quarterback for them. Uh, I don't see it. I don't see it. So for me, everything I said before, it's minus one sixty. So you're, it's you know, it's not, it's not great. Um, but I, you know, if, if you can swallow uh, that, I think it's a worthwhile bet. I'll give you my second one after after you go. What do you like?
0: All right. So I I really like two. They're both unders. Georgia Tech, under three and a half. In Jeff Collins' first three years, they've won three games, three games, and three games. They're 119th nationally in returning production. Uh, they, They also had some major staff turnover. They have 16 transfers coming in, and they start the season with a really tough schedule. They have Clemson, Western Carolina, which is a win, Ole Miss, at UCF, at Pitt. To me, that's a no doubt about it, one in four. And when you have that much turnover and lack of continuity, that's a recipe to me for a team to just absolutely quit. They might ax Collins with a one in four start. They might just quit on Collins. Um, so under three and a half wins, like sometimes just don't overthink it. Georgia Tech is bad. They might make a coaching change. They might quit on the team under three and a half. Georgia Tech.
1: I like it. What's the other one you love?
0: Other one I got is BC under six and a half, and that's minus 120. So I think it's going to be close. I do think it's going to be close. Their non-conference is Rutgers, Maine, at UConn and at Notre Dame, they're going to lose in Notre Dame, so it's that's a three and one at best. I actually tend to think two and two is more likely. I think Rutgers might be able to get them in week one. Uh, BC is absolutely gutted on the offensive line, and Rutgers uh, they, they're pretty aggressive in their on their defensive end uh, on their defensive side last year. They blitz a lot. They they're kind of boomer bust, but they would get to the quarterback, so it could be a bad recipe for them early in the season. So let's just say though. If they do go three and one, they still need to get to four and four in conference and duke at home is the only conference game that they're projected to be favored in right now according to sp plus so to me i mean it's just kind of a numbers game there i don't think they can get to four and four in conference and if they go two and two and on con they get, need to get to five and three which is definitely not happening i i really only see the only other really winnable game on their schedule is syracuse at home i i know uh Vildrakovich comes back, but I just don't like them compared to the rest of the the ACC Atlantic. I don't think they can keep up firepower wise. And I don't think they can keep up defensively with some of the, the good defensive teams like Clemson. So uh, I'm down on BC under six and a half. What's your other one, Brian?
1: I like it. I was trying to find a, a longer shot to sprinkle. And, and I know we talked um,
0: a bit about
1: um, Heisman odds last time. Um, I would put a sprint So I, I, said throughout the show that I think Clemson does bounce back. I think they will be in, in playoff contention for me. I would sprinkle Will Shipley. I saw him right before this show on FanDuel at a hundred to one to win the Heisman. I I, he's got, he's a, a unique running back. He's got, he's got a blend of size and power and athleticism. And, and I think, particularly if DJ struggles, like they're going to rely on that a little bit more than they have in years past. Um, So listen, I've got Clemson winning this conference and if they do it, I think it's going to be led by the defense, but that offensive improvement that we mentioned earlier back into a top 40 offense. And I think Shipley could be the reason for that. So uh, is it, is it likely? No, but a hundred to one bets never are. I think if things play out how I think they will, which is Clemson being right back there in the national conversation, um, I think Shipley will be one of the main reasons. And so I'll put a little, little sprinkle there.
0: What do you think he needs to do stat wise to get there?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, you got to put up some, some mind boggling numbers these days, especially like,
0: are we talking like nine yards per carry? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, like stupid amounts of touchdowns, catching touchdowns, right. So that they start quoting your touchdowns as total touchdowns, um, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's got to be one of those things where people see and hit some numbers and sort of gasp a little bit. Yeah, I, I think that probably does have to happen. Um, but yeah, I, I think if if they're going to get where they're trying to go, it it could.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't. mind that. I mean, you got you, you know, look. Anytime you're taking an 100 to one shot, you, some things have to break right for you. But that's why you play big odds, so you can hit them big. Right. Um, you're gonna lose more than you're gonna win, but when you, you win them, you're you're gonna win them. Okay. So yeah, you, you know, there's always gonna be something wrong with a hundred to one shot. But I, I like the logic there. I you know, looking at the division and, and conference odds too, man. The I I looked at these for a while and I could not. For the life of me figure out one that i really liked i was really tempted on north carolina at plus 600 to win the coastal division just because we talked about how much turnover and change there is in that going on in that division and it's nice in when there's turnover to have a little more stability and if mac brown is 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 stable if if anything uh but they they have some crazy things too right they i mean they lose sam Howell. they have an uncertain quarterback situation they have um Oh my goodness. They have Gene Chizik coming in as their defensive coordinator. You know, I mean, that's, that's changed too. They had a bad defense. So like, I, I don't think I can do it. I, I just don't, I'm not betting Clemson minus 140 to win the division. I don't love Miami or the conference. I don't love Miami at plus 600 for the conference or plus 150 for the coastal. We already talked about how we're out on both that kind of out on NC state Pitt at plus 1400 to win the conference plus 300 to win the division. Maybe.
1: Yeah, you're starting to get to numbers that make sense for a team that we generally seem to agree will be one of the top two or three in their in their division.
0: We we didn't talk about we talked about Hartman a little bit, but I mean Wake last year's uh, Atlantic Division champion plus sixteen hundred to win the conference plus seven fifty to win the division maybe,
1: maybe maybe yeah I mean listen if we're if we're down on NC State and things don't sway the the way we think they might with Clemson. Wake should be right there, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I d- just—I uh, don't like any of it. It's tough. exactly
1: what we were talking about. It's like you can talk me into and out of any of these.
0: I, I am a pretty big believer in that. Sometimes it's it's okay to just not bet. So, right, sure. you know, like, I think that, it, it, you know, there is something to that. Like, you don't always have to put something down. So I, I don't love any of these. I don't see myself playing any of these Uh, as much as I try to talk myself into those things. So I, I think I'm just going to stick with those two over-unders. I think we're definitely going to have some more conference championship odds and division odds are actually what I like way more than over-unders. But in this division, in this conference, it's just not making a lot of sense for me.
1: I'm with you, man. I like it. Well done. That's sound advice, by the way. Sometimes just keep your money in your pocket.
0: Yeah, sometimes you, know, you just don't have to bet. Uh, <laughs> anything else before we get out of here, Brian?
1: That's it, man. It was a blast. I'm looking forward to next week already.
0: As always. Well, that's our show. Uh, we will talk to you next week. And until next time, keep the grill hot and the cooler cold.